Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. It's holiday week. It's holiday week. Got Christmas coming up. Got bowl games coming up. Got sports talk coming up. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. I'm Scott Prather. Oof, where to begin? Where to begin? Well, Rage Occasion head coach Billy Napier is going to be joining us at 7.15. You know, the <laughs> Cajun's going to the first responders bowl to take on uh, UTSA. It's not a Sun Belt. It's not a bowl with Sun Belt tie-ins, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. I figured it'd probably be the Camellia, uh, but it's the day after Christmas, which I like. Mister uh, Maggard, I think the payout is higher than what it would be in the Camellia, and it's on ABC, national TV, network TV. So good stuff. That's good, but. For for many, they're not ready to move on yet and get ready for a bowl game. They're still stuck on what unfolded over the last couple of days with Coastal Carolina um, having one positive COVID-19 test and due to contact tracing, saying we can't play the game, therefore a championship game was canceled. And uh, everything that unfolded on social media in the coming days and players jabbing back and forth and the Cajuns making it very, very, very clear, we want to play you guys, even if it's a bowl game, if you don't go to New Year's Six, hey, go Cincinnati, because we don't want you to go to New Year's Six since you didn't play this game. Cincinnati won against Tulsa Saturday night. Close game. Good game. They go to the New Year's Six. Coastal goes to the Cure Bowl to take on Liberty, and a lot of people rip on them, and, oh, we can't stand them, and I hate that. Liberty's had a really good year. It's a good matchup, whatever. It's not the New Year's Six. And Jamie Chadwell made it clear, the head coach of Coastal Carolina, he didn't really want to play the Cajuns. Made it clear in a lot of ways. Literally said it, by the way. <laughs> Don't think we should have to play a team we already beat. Yeah, we we apparently made that pretty obvious. Um, and the commissioner Keith Gill on Friday, Sunbelt commissioner, said, "Well, you know, I, I I don't I don't foresee that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't foresee that happening. Why? Because it would take both schools wanting it to happen, and then the commissioner doing some work behind the scenes to accommodate uh, a one bowl that's a partner with the Sunbelt to fill a slot if a Sunbelt team went to another one, which they kind of did because the Camellia Bowl now has a team from the Mac and Cusa and not the Sunbelt, and the Sunbelt then replaces the Cusa team in the First Responders Bowl." Well, not a Cusa team, but they're playing a Cusa team. So, yeah, we're going to have to talk more about that in the coming hours. We'll dig more into that situation. And, of course, we'll talk to Coach Napier in about uh, 11 minutes, whose name uh, comes up in the college football reportedly um, interviewed for the Auburn job via Zoom, along with a number of other contenders. Chat a little bit about that as well. So I I, I want to say, in terms of yesterday's Saints game, 
I saw a lot of um, grinding of teeth of the Saints are done, they're awful, what the hell is this? Well, forget about it, Drew can't. And, and, and I, I came away from that game feeling very different. The Saints played a hell of a lot worse last week against a bad Eagles team that has four wins than they did yesterday. I still can't wrap my mind around how they managed to only lose to the Chiefs by three. And honestly, you can you can you can rip on their defense all you want. They gave up thirty-two. Yeah, they gave up thirty-two. The Chiefs ran what ninety-two plays. That's insane. They held the ball for nearly three quarters. The Chiefs ran ninety-two plays. That is the eighth most in modern NFL history in a regulation game. And they actually had six defensive penalties that nullify the snaps on the box score. So in reality, they played 98 snaps. Marshawn Lattimore, Malcolm Jenkins, and Demario Davis played 98 snaps. And now you got a short week and you got to play on Christmas Day. For that defense to play as long as they did against a quarterback that is the best player in the world and unlike any player you've ever seen, and to give up 32. I'll be honest, guys, I was impressed. Look, I I said this before the game to some friends and family. They're like, you think Breeze is going to do us? I think he's going to come out pretty rusty, but he'll get things going and and kind of find a rhythm in the second half. And, And he did to an extent. But, boy, is that wide receiver room really scary looking? No Michael Thomas. Then you lose Traquan Smith. You didn't have Deontay Harris. So you had Emmanuel Sanders, and the, ne- and, and the next receiver on the depth chart was Jawan Johnson, a UDFA who was targeted four times yesterday for zero catches. And then you had Tommy Lee Lewis, who's been on and off the roster. And you had Lil Jordan Humphrey. Well, you caught a touchdown. I don't care. He played bad. You could tell the timing, the rhythm, everything was just. Other than Michael Thomas and Jared Cook, there's 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 only one other receiver Breeze feels somewhat comfortable with throwing into double coverage, and that's Traquan Smith. And once he was out, it was like, what, what do we do here? And somehow they only lost by three. No, my, I, I, my, my mood following this one is, I'm not saying it was great. I mean, they lost the game, but compared to the game against the Eagles, Breeze has had to come back at some point and knock the rust off. You don't want him trying to knock rust off in the first half of a playoff game. Now you got the Vikings, then you got the Panthers, then you got the playoffs. The odds are you needed, you know, you needed the Packers to lose a game anyway if you wanted a shot at a one seed. That probably wasn't going to happen, but if it does, and the Saints went out and the Seahawks went out, and it's a three-way tie in terms of records, the Saints would actually still be the one seed. So in terms of what you needed, you needed it win or lose yesterday anyway, and that's a Titans win. But come on. I, I've got well, look. We got post game audio from the Saints. You hear Drew Brees' thoughts, trying to find that offensive rhythm. 
But I just, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are just ridiculous. They're just sick. Alex Anzalone, just fall on the dang ball. Just fall on the ball. I don't know. I just, I, I don't understand how they only gave up 32 when the, the Chiefs ran 92 plays, 98 if you count the, the six that were nullified by defensive penalties. I mean, they better, defensive players better just spend Christmas week in an ice bath because they're going to be sore. And Cam Jordan, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just throwing an open punch. Much as, much as Saints fans all love Cam Jordan, and I, I love Cam Jordan. There are a lot of games where late in the game he gets a, a, a an unsportsmanlike a fifteen yard penalty, and you you ask yourself, you're like, what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? Throwing a punch when you're already shorthanded, and Hendrickson had to leave. Ah, man, more on that coming up. We got a lot to get into this morning. Shout out to. Uh, Rage Cajun women's basketball team. That was a hard-fought effort yesterday in Ruff, in Ruston, man. Game time, three rimmed in and out. They had a lead late. It was... Mm, mm, ele- they went on an 11-2 run to tie the game at 50 when it looked like the game was falling away from them in the third. Final basketball game before conference play begins on January 1. It's a tough loss. We had that one for you on our airwaves. Shout out to the Acadian Reagan Rams in the season they're having as they'll go for a state championship. We'll have it for you on our airwaves from Natchitoches a week from Wednesday, 6 o'clock, December 30th. And, um, yeah, I mean, you got you still got still got a lot. I mean, shout out to Karen Crow. You got a lot of, lot of local teams here. Still in the mix for state titles. It's just, it's just, it's weird having state title games now, like at this, just after Christmas. Used to that first week. I mean, everything's weird in 2020. I get it. Everything's weird. Just, you know, I don't know. Still getting used to it. A state championship game in Natchitoches after Christmas. That we got it on our on our airways though. Don't go anywhere. Speaking of what we have on our airways, the first responders bowl. That's right, the first responders bowl. And what what a great thing to honor in a year like twenty twenty. The first responders. That right there is a nice touch. December twenty sixth in Dallas, Louisiana versus UTSA. We'll talk to the head coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier, next, right here. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank on a Monday morning, holiday week, and as he's done every Monday during the season, Louisiana Raging Cajun head coach of the 16th ranked Raging Cajun football team, 
Billy Napier joins us this morning. Good uh, good morning, Billy. Merry Christmas. How are you? Good morning, Scott. How are you, man? I'm hanging in there, man. Uh, busy holiday week, I know, for you guys as well. And um, I know you got a lot on your plate, so I won't try to keep you too long, Coach. Uh, you know, why, why, was, why did Coastal Carolina just not want to play you guys under any circumstances, my first question. Well, you know, I think uh, time will tell. You know, time will tell. It's unfortunate. It's really a crying shame that, um, you know, we were the only league yesterday not or Saturday not playing. Um, certainly our, our young men were excited about the opportunity. You know, I think um, we had a team meeting yesterday. Um it's a just strange twist of emotions, you know. I felt like our team was probably the most prepared to play that we've been since I've been here as the coach, um, you know. And then, and then it gets that opportunity gets taken away from you. You know, I, I said uh, it feels like you lost the game, but you get you didn't get the thrill of competing in the game. And you know, I think our kids obviously, you know, it was tough. It was very tough. Uh, given the amount of time and the investment that they've made and all the sacrifice and choices they've made to create that opportunity uh, made it a difficult weekend. But, you know, we're we're excited about our next opportunity and certainly got to turn the page quickly here and and, uh, begin our prep for UTSA. Yeah, you turning the page from that disappointment level um, and all your years of coaching, I know that there's a lesson to be learned in there that you you teach the guys in terms of, you know, things not always going your way that you can't get control. But from a coaching standpoint, where does that rank on a disappointment level? Is that the most disappointing thing you've had to go through as a coach with a team? Yeah, I would I'll put it way up there. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, you know, I think just because of the uniqueness of this year and the challenges that have come with this year and knowing that the entirety uh, our team has been working toward a specific goal, and certainly, you know, our goal is to win our uh, division and get the championship game and win the game. We've been in the game three years in a row, uh, and certainly I feel like we've improved steadily as a, as a team and as a program. Certainly this group of players and this staff uh, has put quite a bit into it, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, just call it like it is. It's it's uh very disappointing, and certainly Saturday was a, a really tough day to sit there and watch all those teams play. On Friday, um, two-part question, Coach, uh, or rather, I guess Thursday evening. Um, who told you, and then and then how did you how did you tell your team? Well, we found out Thursday evening. It wasn't Friday. Um, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Doctor Maggard informed me. Uh, we had a meeting. Um, you know, obviously the commissioner was involved, certainly Coastal Carolina, their medical staff, their AD, their head coach and players, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, really out of our control, what happened, you know, I mean, there's nothing we could do about it. So, you know, we found out that, that evening late, you know, we had team meeting at about 1030 at night and uh, informed the players before it got out. And um, certainly, you know, a tough deal. I, I, I'm guessing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. It's 
it's probably easier to turn the page after a disappointing loss than something like what unfolded last weekend. Yeah, typically you are, you know, you, you had the ball in your hands. You know, you, you, you got to tackle somebody. You got to block somebody. You got to, you know, cover somebody. You know, you got to kick the ball. You got to cover the kick. I mean, you know, you had an opportunity. It was your um maybe something that you did that maybe caused the disappointment that you can learn from or you can say, hey, you know what, uh, that's our fault. We could have done that better. You know, this is a definitely a unique uh, circumstance here. Uh, but our team was in the building yesterday, and uh, we've got a resilient group. You know, this is a, a tough-minded group. And, you know, I know we, we are right in the middle here of turning the page and starting to prep, and, you know, this this group will be ready to play when it comes time, but there's no doubt it's going. You know, it, it's taken a couple of days to come to grips with what we've, you know, what was uh, taken away from us. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Raging Cajun head football coach Billy Napier, our guest. Uh, personally, I, I'm anxious to see Coastal Carolina. Um, you know how they practice this week. I know it has nothing to do with y'all at this point, but if they're not going to have you know any of their D linemen or coaches until the day of the game per CDC guidelines, that's neither here nor there. This is my final question, Coach, on on Coastal. Um, it's not happening, but did you guys, you know, in talking to Dr. Maggard on Friday, did you guys perhaps want, if it was possible, to play them in a bowl game if they were willing? And and was that something that was ever discussed? You know, I think logistically. Uh, it would have been very difficult uh, given all the contractual things that go with bowl games and matchups and meeting. Um, you know, all the different leagues have contracts that uh, maybe they are committed to, to the bowls committed to the league and certainly the league's committed to the bowl. Um, I think our thought was maybe because of the uniqueness of the year and the teams opting out and because the bowl games are getting canceled that maybe there was a scenario where the powers in SBN would say, you know what, we might this this might capture a pretty good audience. Let's see if we can make this happen. But, you know, I think um, we pushed it about as hard as we could. Um, you know, and I know there was a lot of dialogue and conversation about it out there, but it didn't work out, um, and you know we're gonna, we're gonna take what we have here and make the best of it. You know I think um, this team we're playing is one four out of five, and they're hot, and they are. Uh, we've got a lot of team and their staff, and certainly their head coach is a friend of mine, and he's he's a heck of a football coach. So um, you know we we are in the middle of beginning that preparation here we started you know yesterday evening and we're a little behind we're going to try to grind it out here more today and and get everything ready for the players jeff trailer in uh, the utsa roadrunners will take on louisiana this saturday in the serve pro first responder bowl we will have that on our airwaves for you pregame at 12 30 rest of the network 130 via learfield img college 230 kickoff in Dallas, um, I know it's it's obviously a unique year, Coach, in terms of the bowl games. It's more of a, um, you know, just kind of a, a, a neutral field game against a non-conference opponent, whereas, you know, with a bowl game in a normal year, you're getting there much earlier and, and doing different festivities. So does it feel more just like getting ready for a road game this week than a, quote, bowl game? 
Well, you know, I mean, I think there's lots of things that come with the bowl game. We are going to travel on Thursday, you know, and be there. Um, you know, it's a two-night uh, stay. Uh, I think there's, a, you know, I think there's rewards for the players. You know, we try to make it a, a fun week. Certainly a lot of gifts from the bowl game. Certainly a few more from, you know, Adidas. Uh, we, we try to do some different things. Our guys are going to go bowling Tuesday. Um, you know, we soup up the food a little bit um, and try to make it a a great experience for the players, you know. So bowl games oftentimes are seen as rewards for uh, the players, you know, for a, for a heck of a year. And uh, certainly that's the way we'll view this one. Uh, but we all know that playing well in the bowl um, is important. You know, it's important for the legacy of this team and it's certainly important for the momentum in the future. Uh, for the program, for the players that are coming back. You know, I do think um, this is a unique opportunity. You know, we're playing on major um, network television, you know, ABC, uh, which has probably never happened before. Uh, This is the biggest bowl we've ever played in in the history of the school, biggest payout, uh, and certainly outside of the normal Sunbelt Conference Bowls, which I think is – uh, great for our brand, you know, that we were chosen for that opportunity. So uh, this is an opportunity to really represent uh, this team in particular, but also our, our university, our brand, our community, uh, and certainly we're excited about that. For education at football coach Billy Napier, our guest, um, what, what is a bowl week schedule like and how is it altered uh, being that it's it's Christmas week, coach? Well, we're going to travel on Thursday, you know, I think so. The big thing here is I think uh, some, some of our wives and, and uh, the, the little ones will be, you know, we'll be working on that, you know, just in terms of how that, what all is that going to look like and, you know, the, you know, try to make that creative and fun for them and certainly the players, you know, we'll have a few things along the way, um, you know, that we can do uh, with those guys to, you know, make it, a memorable Christmas. You know, I do think we're going to have an opportunity to be together, uh, certainly uh, play on the 26th and get back. But uh, it's going to be a normal in-season prep. You know, we're we're way down the road in terms of number of reps we have invested in these players. So, you know, the workload won't quite be like it is. Uh, it'll be very similar to last week is what I would say. Uh, we're going to practice in the AM on Thursday. Um, you know, we'll have our walkthrough in Dallas on Friday and then get ready to play the game on the 26th. Looking forward to broadcasting it, uh, Coach, and uh, we always appreciate your time. Two more questions. Uh, one, reports uh, that you interviewed for the Auburn job. Do you care to comment on that? No, I, Scott, I've, I've, I'm about tired of talking about all these jobs. You know, I think uh, it's um, it's humbling to me um, and, you know, to be, you know, for your name to be conversations and certainly, um, you know, I've said it many times uh, in this great game that we play and coach, um, you know, it, it takes hundreds of people, you know, to accomplish anything of significance. So um, I would hope people would take that as a sign that we have a great culture here. We've got really good leadership at the top. 
uh, a president and athletic director and Dr. Sabo and Magger that have a vision. They've committed resources uh, to that vision. We've been able to acquire some exceptional people. We've got a great staff, and um, I think, you know, we've, we've worked hard on establishing trust, communication. We've gotten great ownership and leadership from the players. Uh, so many people contribute uh, to positioning our team right here. I think we're ranked in the top 20 in the country. Um, you know, we've played uh, really good, sound football. Uh, we've tried to do things right off the field and in the classroom. You know, I think um, all these things are a reflection of uh, the number of people, both staff and players, that have uh, contributed to this success. So that's what it's about, and that's what I'll continue to say about it. Coach Billy Napier, our guest. Lastly, Coach, it's it's Christmas this week. I know you just talked about the schedule and things like that, but um, there's something about having young kids during Christmas time and kind of just seeing that, that wonder in their eyes. Uh, I think the only thing I don't like about it is some of the, the, the things that Santa might have to assemble the night before Christmas. Um, but other than that, um, it's awesome. Uh, what, what, what's the, what's the Napier family plan with the kids this Christmas, uh, being that I know you'll be getting ready for a bowl game, but also know how important family is to you too. Yeah. I talked to Allie a little bit, uh, yesterday about that. You know, I think, uh, Santa may bring a, a little less this year, you know, depending on what we can get on this airplane. Uh, and then we may, you know, spread it out amongst some of the other gifts. But uh, I think Santa's, my crew, they're still, Santa's trying to still figure out if they were naughty or nice, you know. so He's still watching. Um, you got to remind him he's still watching. Yeah, hey, that's exactly right. So we're it's a, it's a countdown at my house for my crew, so. No, it'll be a great week, you know, and certainly I think all coaches' wives uh, take on a big burden and responsibility. You know, heck, um, Allie and I think all of our other coaches would agree. You know, oftentimes we're playing this time of year and they, um, you know, trooper um, to get all that organized. And certainly um, Allie does it as good as anybody. My final question, Coach, and we appreciate the time as always. What's a what's a Christmas present from uh, Little Billy's youth, right? From your days as a youngin that you still remember, like you just remember getting up on Christmas and it was just like, oh my gosh, it's here. Man, that's a great question. Uh, man, I I, uh, I would have trouble, you know. I think, uh, and I and I do think. Uh, Right off the top of my head, I was, I'm having trouble remembering any of that, you know. And, and I would say this, Scott, I think that's uh, there's something probably to learn from that, you know. I think some of these, some of these material things, maybe that we get caught up in, you know, this time of year, um, you know, right off the top of my head, I can't remember any of them, you know. So, I think this time of year is an opportunity to um, reflect, to give, certainly the birth of Christ. Uh, there's a lot that goes with it from a perspective standpoint that we can learn. You know, I think it uh, gives us an opportunity to, uh, you know, maybe do something that's that for somebody that's maybe a little bit less fortunate than us. Um, I think Christmas is about giving more than it's about uh, receiving. And certainly I think your question there and maybe my ability to remember any of those gifts 
uh, probably is a good lesson in that, you know. So hopefully we'll, we uh, have that type of experience this week. You know, we certainly got a lot of lot to be thankful for, uh, not only the possessions we have, but most importantly the people that we've got in our life and the opportunities uh, that come with the platform that we do have. Coach Billy Napier has been our guest. I appreciate it, Coach. Best of luck this week, preparing for bowl week, celebrating the holidays with your family and the season of giving, as you put it. Uh, Always appreciate you taking the time, Billy. All the best. All right, Scott. Thank you. I'll see you around. Sounds good. Education Ed football coach Billy Napier. 35 after the hour of 7 o'clock. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back. Comment on a couple of things that stood out to me from that conversation. Hear a little bit from Drew Brees. We get uh, into the NFL a little bit as well. Kind of shift back and forth from college to pro and open up phone lines at 269-1077. TSP and 1420.com. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show. Great sports callers open think tank. Happy to have you with me on a Monday morning. Thanks to Billy Napier for coming on the show. You know, a couple things that stood out for me in that conversation. Some weeks, Billy is a little more open than other weeks. I mean, last week he was so laser-focused that I could tell kind of early on in the interview we probably wouldn't get too much new information. It was just just ready to – it was game week, it was championship week, just focused. But – and he still answered questions, but, you know, there's – you do this long enough, some questions get answered differently. So asking him about the disappointment of that game not happening last weekend, he called it, quote, a crying shame. I mean, he's – he the, the disappointment level and when you follow, if you follow some of the players on social media is I mean he didn't say it was the highest when I asked him is it the most disappointing thing ever and it's so much harder than just moving on from a loss but he said it's it's up there for sure yeah I mean I I feel like it probably is certainly it is for those players and it is that he and the staff and the team I think their biggest challenge this week, getting ready for the first responder bowl, is turning the page. Because I know that there are a lot of fans out there. They're not ready to turn the page. Turn the page. Ah, sorry. I don't even really listen to Metallica much. I don't know why I did that. But I I don't I don't see them just walking in today and just being able to completely put it out of their mind. Maybe they can. That's the challenge. And you got one of the better staffs in the country. You rank 16th. That's what you got to do. Because the disappointment level is still there, and I think it's going to continue to be there, and it's going to be there in the offseason. But you got to turn the page. You got to turn the page. 
Maybe we'll get some more insight into the bowl game, how it came to be, what happened behind the scenes. Rage Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Magger, going to join me tomorrow at 8. But some folks are asking me in terms of payout. They're like, I keep hearing payout. What does that mean? They say better payout. A payout is every bowl game has a payout that they send to um, the conference of the team that plays in a bowl game, right? The payout goes right to the conference office and it's distributed. Now, I don't know the specific figure for the first responders bowl this year, but but last year it was $824,545. The Camellia Bowl, which is where I and many others thought the Cajuns were probably going to play, that payout last year was $300,000. And everything changes from, you know, a Rose Bowl or, or, or a semifinal game. It's a $6 million payout. You know, a Rose Bowl or, or, or one of the other, you know, the New York Six Bowls, you're looking at, a, you know, millions of dollars in the, in the payout. It's $4 million if it's just a New Year's Six, and then it's the college football playoff games are maybe $6 million as a semifinal. So it's that is, if you're just basing it off last year's number, I mean, what, 280% increase in payout from playing in the Camellia to the first responders? So that's that's good. And as as Billy mentioned, network TV. ABC. And it's not on Christmas, which personally, as somebody that has to cover it, I'm good with that. Already spending Christmas, obviously, with my family. The Pelicans play that morning. The Saints play that afternoon. They had just, you know, if the Cajuns are playing smack dab in the middle of all that at, at 130, just, yeah. It's Christmas Day. Day after, a Saturday, I'm good. So I'm happy about that as well. I'm happy about that as well. ESPN1420N.com. Phone lines are now open at 269-1077-269-1077. Happy to have you with me today. Talking a lot about the weekend that was in college football and the college football playoff just being the, the, the joke that it is. And and I'll say what I told Tim Brando last week. If you ever extend the college football playoff, you have to the the every commissioner, and I don't know that they would, in the G five conference, some of them have a backbone, some of them don't, has to stand their ground and say, You gotta have some, you know, you have to be inclusive. Written guarantees. Otherwise, we're not getting into this because nothing's going to change. You could turn it to eight. You could turn it to 16. Unless anything is writing that is more inclusive to G5 schools, nothing will change. You'll have more games. You'll hurt the regular season more. ESPN's whole campaign of who's in, it it, it hurts the rest of the postseason, every other bowl game. I mean, there's an idea among some that follow college football casually that it's, well, you play for a national championship and nothing else. Well, That's not the case, especially at G5 schools. 
and especially at the majority of P5 schools. I get it that it is the ultimate goal, and I'm not suggesting it's not. But the glamorization of this is it and nothing else is really all that matters hurts a sport where you have 130 schools playing in the FCS. It's not 32 teams. It's not the NFL. ESPN1420.com. All right, 269-1077, Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hi. Um, let me ask you this question. I asked this question yesterday. I heard Ohio State had 21 guys out. 22. Oh, excuse me, 22. Yes. So these 22 guys that were out, they were, I assume they wasn't around their team, right? They weren't around their team at any point some of them, the week? Some of them were around one another, yeah. Here, oh, okay. here, here, here's the here's the thing for those that that wow. here's the thing for those that that suggest that coastal there there is I would never tell somebody that thinks coastal skated this specifically the coach right like I I do I think that they had a positive test I do I think they had a positive test probably from their defensive line coach but I also think for the head football coach who was the lowest paid in the FCS who stands to potentially gain up to $1.4 million in bonuses, including 300000 for a conference championship, which is guaranteed once that bowl game is canceled, which nearly matched his annual salary already, and then finishing in the top 20 and everything else and potential bowls, he stood to potentially lose a lot of money. And this idea that, oh, no, it just hurt Coastal's chances. No, it didn't. The only chance Coastal had to get in a New Year's Six Bowl is if Cincinnati lost. That was their only chance once the game was canceled. Guess what? There's an incentive. There's a tie-in. So I, I, I also am not saying that some of the players on Coastal didn't want to play, and I know people on social are ripping them and all this other stuff. I, I, I bet you that as a competitor, some of those players wanted to play. But follow You know what I mean? Follow the money. Safety protocols, yes, I get it. And, you know, rule says, well, you can't feel the too deep, but, you know... <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not going to try to tell anybody that thinks, and and apparently neither is Dr. Magger because he told me, what, Friday morning and anyone else that talked to him, I'll let people make their own decisions. Yeah, I, I don't think, I think Costa wanted to play the game. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not getting that. You think their head coach, you think their head coach wanted this? Yeah, I just. Uh, not with that much money, man. It, do, well, it doesn't do. Sun, see, not, the people that not, think the Sun Belt, did, what, what the Sun Belt really had nothing to benefit. The Sun Belt did not benefit from the cancellation. And in the end, not, Coastal did neither. Though Jamie Chadwell did, he got a nice bonus, and he might get more if they win their bowl game, which they they'll be favored in. But they're not supposed to have any, you know, D D D linemen at all practicing all this week. And multiple is, head coaches aren't supposed to practice. But if they all test negative, then they can come back, I guess, as early as Christmas Day if you want to follow CDC guidelines. So Yeah. Or two days before the game. It's all I don't know, man. Like most things, I just follow the money. Speaking of money, Scott, man, I'm I'm tired, man. Yeah, I know I'm I'm supposed to ignore it, but man, something I heard this weekend, man. Michael Thomas, he's he's faking his injury because he got his money. Who he, he doesn't care. He had his uh, money last year, didn't he? Didn't he play every game last year? Didn't he play in a game where? Yeah, no, no, no. He ain't faking. I'm tired of this. This, this uh, come on, man. Hey, like, thank you. Uh, 
the man wants to be out there. We we've seen him out there the last couple of weeks grinding. I've seen him play in a week seventeen game he shouldn't play in because he just wanted to, and the Saints had their backup O line in there, and I'm yelling at Coach Payton like, "What the hell are you doing? He's the best receiver, like one of the best players on the team, and you're risking injury for the playoffs." And they're like, "No, he just wanted to play." No. Look, they they, they put look, Michael look, Thomas look, on IR because, as Sean Payton said very succinctly, it will continue to nag if he doesn't rest it, and we have to have him for the playoffs. That's the big don't picture. Don't want a Grant Hill situation. I know it's a different sport. I'm sure it's a different, you know, stress situation. Body part, right? right. Yeah. No, well, no. Uh, Grant Hill had an ankle situation, right? Oh, I thought maybe I thought it was his knee that was the big thing. I mean, Grant Hill, I feel like had a lot of stuff, you know. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh, but but and look, you saw the impact Thomas brings to the team by yesterday. Basically, you know, uh, the receivers, you know, they couldn't just get open, man. Oh uh, hey, what was up with Cook? God, what was up with, like Cook was like visibly upset. I think I think I think I think Romo did a good job of explaining it. I mean, you know, the timing was off for Breeze, especially with some, you know, the guys that just got called up from the practice squad like that day. Um, but with Cook, you know, on that third down play, he's he's expecting him to, okay, they broke off this coverage, keep running. He broke off the route a different way. And, um, you know, and, and Breeze said he called it to the line, and Cook was essentially saying, look, the, my, my view was blocked because of the way the defense – it was it was more of a communication thing on that play. And, uh, and he didn't want, you know, he didn't want to hear it from Breeze, and Breeze was still pointed out, and that was it. I mean, I, I think – they're gonna need they're gonna need Jared Cook in a major way this Friday and the following Sunday because you need to keep winning and I I think I didn't I, again I still don't think the Saints are gonna get the one seed but it is worth noting that if Tennessee upsets Green Bay and the Saints win out and Seattle wins out if all three have the same record I'm I believe the Saints own that tiebreaker in that scenario which is weird I'm not sure why but I read that over the weekend. And I, um, you know, I, I saw, and that was the case earlier in the season when they all three had the same record. So it's not, it's not impossible, but more than that, you know, I wouldn't expect it. You just, you got to get healthy. If you get Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, Michael Thomas back, breezes into more of a rhythm. I, I felt a lot more about the team's performance last week than it did about their performance yesterday, honestly. I still don't understand how the Chiefs only scored 32 when they held the ball for 43-something minutes and ran 98 plays, 92 if you count the six defensive penalties. That's that's crazy to me. I, I don't know how the defense wasn't just out there and every player had an IV yesterday and wasn't cramping. What's crazy to, yeah, what's crazy to me was that, you know, the same people who talk about Michael Tim, uh, Michael Thomas were fake, and basically they – what, what's up with, with players calling their shots before they get drafted? Like, like we cool with with someone like Trevor Lawrence saying, "I don't want to play for this team." You know, we cool with Eli Payton, and guess what? It just so happened that you know all week we heard, you know, his people saying that, "Oh, we're not playing for the Jets." Well, guess what? The Jets lose, and now the Jet now Jacksonville. The Jets win. So the J- the Jets lose to- for winning. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm excuse me. I'm sorry. The Jets won, and now Jacksonville, you know, has the number one pick if, if everything. Well, I, same, so know? I didn't. I didn't, and, and I'm not. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I didn't catch the 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 stuff about Trevor Lawrence saying he didn't want to play. Was that out there a lot last week? 
No, no, I'm just saying, like, you you know, I heard some of the, the talking heads. Yeah, he never did that. And I, no, I'm I, not saying I wasn't, know, I didn't, I still didn't like what Eli did and, and what John Elway did all those years ago, but um, I don't know. It, 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 it messes with the process of the draft, but, but yeah, I tell you what, Greg Williams would have lost that game. They probably shouldn't have fired him. He would have found a way to lose that game. <laughs> I can't believe the Rams uh, lost that. I, I cannot believe the Rams were becoming, and I, I, I was in on it. Kind of the cheeky pick, like man, look at this D line. Look at them winning these games. I, how in the hell did they lose a home game to the Jets? I, can, I cannot. I, I didn't watch any of the game. I was watching the Saints, but I still don't know how that happened. It's crazy. It's like crazy. I said, man, it, it's. I don't know, man. I, I, stuff is funny. That's all I have to say. And. um Hey man, what's up with um? Keep two more things. What's up with the uh, any word on uh, Hendrickson? No, yeah, he he left the game. Looked like a, a some kind of shoulder injury, but we won't we won't know any. Well, I say we won't know anything until later this week. Now, since they're playing Friday, per league rule, I think they're supposed like I they might not like there's so in a in a week where you're playing on a Thursday, you have to start releasing your injury report on Monday. Now it's just they don't actually practice, so it's just a, a report of if we practice today, who is here's who would have been limited, or here here's who would have been, you know, a DNP did not participate, and that's for you know Vegas and betting reasons. Even though the league says it has nothing to do with that, we all know it does. Now, there's usually not a Friday game in the NFL, so I don't know if that gets pushed back to tomorrow in terms of the first injury report. So either today or tomorrow, they'll release a report of we didn't practice, but if we did like and we'll see if they put dnp or lp and we'll see if it's you know shoulder hip or multiple but um but man he was i mean he did, he had his worst game of the season against philly he probably had his best game yesterday i mean he's going up against eric fisher and he was taking him to i mean he was he was taking him to the house man i mean yeah. I, I, hendrickson was a monster yesterday he really was yeah um one more thing, I'm gonna hear you. I guess on the other side, I guess it's coming to the top of the hour. Um, I was reading some things on social media, and I kind of felt, in some way, did the Saints' defense were, were they playing dirty yesterday? And uh, thank you. Have a good one. Dirty. I mean, <clears throat> I didn't see any gator rolls. I think they were playing physical for sure. I didn't see any gator rolls. Not saying it didn't happen. I didn't see any. Um, the 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 hard hit on Patrick Mahomes, which was when Trey Hendricks had actually got hurt. Hopefully it's yeah, hopefully it's not bad. Um you know, that was that was a clean hit. Uh Marcus Williams' hit. Credit to the refs for not throwing a flag. Most refs would have thrown a flag there. He went went low, did not leave with his helmet. That was a clean hit. So no, I, I don't I don't think they were playing dirty. Um but they weren't playing Greg Williams dirty. Now you know, stupid. Yeah, Cam, don't throw a punch. I saw a lot of people defending Cam, too, in that. I get his hand off of him. He had an open fist and swung it at the guy and took full responsibility afterwards and said, it's all on me. I let my team down, you know. I mean, that's that's what happened. Can't defend that. Cannot defend it. ESPN1420.com. Quick timeout. We'll come back on the other side. Hear from some Saints players. Dig into college football, the Bulls, 
and a team that was left out of the bowls that is it, it to quote Billy Napier, I'll say a crying shame. Of course, it's a different subject matter than he was referencing, but it's a crying shame that one specific team that really wants to play in a bowl can't play in a bowl. While teams with losing records go bowling. It's all coming your way next hour. Don't go anywhere. ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome in. To the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Happy to have you with me. Bowl lines open for you all hour at 269-1077. We uh, touched a little on high school football. Acadiana playing uh, Alexandria a week from Wednesday, 6 p.m. On our airwaves, 5.30 pregame. Uh, for a state championship, Karen Crow playing next Tuesday against Edna Carr a week from tomorrow. Uh, and then STM and LCA playing Monday. So for the four area teams that are looking to win a state championship after the Christmas holiday, go get it. Go get it. Talk plenty of Cajun football, the cancellation of the Sunbelt Conference championship game, the fallout and the bowl games, and now the bowl college football playoff. I mean, it, stop. Stop, just, just, just stop giving us Notre Dame. Just stop. Just stop. I don't. I don't even. I don't even. I know a lot of people listening can't stand it. No, I. I believe it or not, I actually usually when Notre Dame's playing, I actually root for. Them. I know that probably makes some of you vomit. I didn't say they were my favorite, but they. They don't. We don't. We don't need. We don't need to see them go get just rickrolled by Alabama. We really don't. I don't need to sit here and listen to Gary Barda just spew palaver about, we have great respect for Cincinnati. Really? I'm sorry. They were undefeated. Um, Notre Dame had a pretty ugly loss. Florida lost three games. Where do you, where do you have them ranked again? Well, the field matters. Well, the Buckeyes, pretty small sample size. You gave them the great benefit of beating a good Indiana team by seven, and yet you really hurt Indiana for having a loss? Yeah, Indiana's a P5, but they ain't a blue blood. This isn't just about P5. This is about P5 blue bloods, big money. That's what this is about, and the committee is there to serve them. As Tim Brando said, I'm just going to call it the P5 Invitational. I will just call it the P5 Blue Blood Invitational. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure, whatever you want to say. Come on, guys. It's a farce. It's a farce. It's what it is. And that's what it'll continue to be. Did you expect any other four teams? I didn't. You probably didn't either. But here's the deal. A number of bowl games were canceled. And somehow, despite the fact that a number of bowl games were canceled, you've got a lot of teams, well, not a lot. You have a few teams with records playing in bowl games. LSU beat Ole Miss in an absolutely wild contest in the the just rainy, muddy weather at Tiger Stadium Saturday night to finish their season 5-5. Five and five. Uh, won the turnover battle by five, won the game by five, a game with 101 points. Ole Miss lost. They finished the season with a losing record, and they're going to a bowl game. 
at four and five to take on Indiana. They absolutely will lose at the Outback Bowl. That's just one example of a team with a losing record playing in a bowl game. Meanwhile, Army. Army. The young men on Army's team serving our country went 9-2, and two, beat Air Force, had an agreement to play in the Independence Bowl against some team in the Pac-12, and then yesterday they found out, no, the Independence Bowl isn't going to have a bowl game, probably because the Pac-12 didn't want to send anybody. All their teams said, no, we can't play. And now the Black Knights are left without a postseason destination. Coach Jeff Munkin said, we had guys in tears. We had the biggest wins of the seniors' career. We won the Commander-in-Chief's trophy back because they beat the other service academies this season. And we want to play in a bowl game before they go off in the U.S. Army, and we're sitting here telling them, sorry, guys, you can't play. Come on. You can't give these young men an opportunity to play in a bowl game that they fully earn, but you're going to have all these other bowl conference tie-ins with, oh, yeah, you have a pretty lousy record, and you're not any good, but come on over. You can play. Meanwhile, these guys, before they go off to the U.S. Army, don't get to play a bowl game that they've worked all year for. Monken said, look, you could talk about the playoff system and people being and whining about how they're not a top-four team. Oh, we should be in. He said, all we want is a bowl game. That's all we want. We just want a chance to play. No. That's awful, man. And he feels like it's just people saying, we don't want to play Army. That's it. We don't want to play Army. And he said, look, if any team has to back out of their bowl game, because of COVID or whatever, last minute, and the game doesn't want to cancel, we'll, we'll do it. We'll go play. USC says it cited a recommendation from its medical team for why it opted out. Let me tell you something. If USC had beaten Oregon, a team that didn't win their division but won the Pac-12 championship because another team had to not play the game because of COVID-19, I promise you, that USC would be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. I guarantee it. You know it. I know it. Uh, but, oh, wait, we lost. Oh, and now it's the Independence Bowl against Army. No, we, uh, uh, nope, medical science, not doing it. Can't do it. Nope. The Cajuns had beaten Coastal Carolina earlier in the season. They were set to play. This past Saturday at Cajun Field, I just don't feel like Coastal would have been like, no, we're not doing it. It's just me. It's just me. How much do you have to lose? How much do you have to gain? Everybody looking out for some other interest. USC also would have lost money traveling to Shreveport to play a game against Army. Wouldn't have lost money for traveling to play to New Year's Six, though. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you just want folks to be honest about stuff. That's it. That's it. Honestly, I I I came away from that game yesterday between the Saints and the Chiefs thinking Saints got to get healthy, but if they are, they can still absolutely be the team in the NFC. 
They desperately – look, the wide receivers right now in terms of who's healthy and how they look on the field is scary. And I don't mean scary in a good way like you would describe LeBron James in the open court. No. No, I mean scary as in you should be scared that that's what you have to work with. Jawan Johnson played more snaps yesterday than Alvin Kamara, guys. With respect to the UDFA, he is not cut out to be the number two option on an NFL team with Super Bowl aspirations. But he's not the number two option. When everyone's healthy, he's not even on the active roster. But yesterday, at it. Bree's saying, okay, threw it to you a couple times. Once you fell, another time you dropped it. Another time it was a good throw. The defender made a good play on it. The next time you just run around, I didn't think you were going to run. Most of those all happened on third down. Somehow the Saints were one of ten on third down, held the ball for what, 18 minutes? And they only lost by three to the Chiefs? What? Huh? We'll hear from Drew Brees next. We come back right after this. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420.com. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Uh, phone lines are open, 269-1077. Happy to have you with me this morning, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Emails are open as well. Scott at ESPN1420.com. Here's an email from Doug. He says, Scott, what are your thoughts about the college football playoff? I haven't been able to listen all morning. Sorry if you're all good, Doug. I appreciate you, friend, and Merry Christmas. Um, My thoughts are nothing that unfolded this year. They can sit here and tell you that every game matters. They don't. They don't. A team can go undefeated with some good wins against ranked teams and never have a legit shot at a championship or even a, a a spot in a playoff to compete for a championship. It's the system, the group of five players. They're, I'm, so, I'm sorry, the power five blue bloods, the power players, they're running the show. The best teams in the group of five, they never have a chance, not with a selection committee. They're going to make things up as they go along. 
Cincinnati finished behind a two-loss Oklahoma team, which lost to a four-and-six Kansas State squad, an eight-and-three Florida team that we saw nine days ago lose to LSU at home. So Cincinnati will play against Florida in the Peach Bowl. Coastal will play in the Cure Bowl, which I know warmed a lot of folks' hearts. A lot of Cincinnati fans on my Twitter timeline Saturday night. But all the criticisms that the committee gives to a team like Cincinnati, they'll never give that to a team in the P5. They won't apply it to power players in the P5. They weren't. Georgia doesn't have a single quality win this year. Do I think Georgia's good? Sure, but they don't have a single quality win. They got a top 10 ranking. There is no consistent criteria. None. They're going to pick the teams they want to pick and then just, uh, we'll give reasons later because reasons. The big boys with the big money, let's keep them happy. Let's feed them. The other guys, yeah. I think I dropped some scraps on the floor if you want to clean that up. Sure, you could have them. Isn't that very, um, you know, benevolent of us? Go ahead. You could have those crumbs. Go ahead, eat them. They're for you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Yeah. Ohio State won six games and beat two teams with winning records. Two. And, oh, need I remind you that Louisiana, who's ranked way past Iowa State, Iowa State's at number 10 and will play in the Fiesta Bowl. Louisiana won by 17. In Ames, Iowa. And lost two less games. Yeah. Cincinnati, we're going to drop you in the ranking for two straight winks. Ohio State, oh, you didn't play, don't worry. You get to stand pat. Yeah. A close game against an inferior team. Doesn't hurt a team like Iowa State, who barely beat a two-win Baylor team. Didn't hurt Texas A&M, who barely beat a Vanderbilt team that, need I remind you, didn't win a game. Lose a close game if you're a ranked G5? Well, no, we watched it. We just don't feel like that's quality. I'm sorry, Doug. I know I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but I'm glad you asked. And this idea that the G5 should break away and have their only playoff, no. No. Because then you're giving the committee exactly what they want, and then the group of five becomes third-class citizens. Right now they're being treated like second-class citizens in terms of the world of college football. You're not going to bring more money than the current setup brings into the programs. And that's part of the problem. And then if you do that, suddenly some of the power players, they're not going to want to schedule some G5 teams anymore. And for a lot of G5 teams, the vast majority of them, those games help them hit their athletic budget number on an annual basis and fund other sports. You need, you know, a playoff expansion and, and an automatic G5 spot, but they, they, they need even more than that because they'll find a way. They'll find a way to just get out of it. But, no, a G5 team, I mean, it could, it could even be a very notable G5 team. Boise State could go undefeated and have wins against top 25-type teams, and they're not the program that they were, say, 
five, ten years ago, but they're they're probably the most recognizable G5 program in terms of college football, and they still wouldn't get in. A chance, because fair evaluation is never going to be given. Go undefeated, have wins against top 25 teams, have more quality wins than teams in P5 conferences, doesn't matter. And all the coaches and all the players and all the staff and all the athletic departments to put in all the work, College football playoff committee's like, no, no, we we considered it all. We have great respect for you. Here are these scraps. Here are these crumbs. Meanwhile, well, your name's Georgia. You play in a quality wins doesn't matter. Here's the steak. Here's the filet mignon. No quality wins doesn't matter. We're still going to give it to you. Because you can afford it, and we need you. 25 after the hour. ESPN1420N.com. All right. Drew Brees, getting back to the Saints for a moment. <sighs> there was a stretch there. Of course, Andrews Pete went down. Hmm. Some, some of y'all on the timeline were like, okay, good. No, no. You don't want Will Clapp and Cesar Ruiz as your only guards. Not that Andrews Pete is exactly uh, great. His mistakes are magnified, but it's Drew Brees. I, I maintain that my biggest concern for the Saints is the interior of the offensive line in the playoffs. My big concern in the postseason is not the defense. It's the interior offensive line. And if they can't get receivers back, it's wide receivers. But you hope to have Michael Thomas back come playoff time because without him and when Traquan went out, and no Deontay Harris, sheesh. Oof. Drew Brees on finding his rhythm, his return to the field, how he was feeling from health, uh, 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 you know, from a health standpoint. He met with the media on a conference call after the game. Have a listen. And, and you know, your body feel good and all that. How'd everything go? Yeah, came out of the game okay. Um, it was great to be back out there. Great to be back out there with the team, um, just competing. Again, you know, obviously uh, it was tough, tough over the last four weeks, but uh, great to be back out there. Next one's from Andrew Doak. How, how difficult after the the uh, layoff is it to, to find a rhythm? And what would you what would you kind of how would you describe, I guess, the first half and in, in just trying to find it? Well, I can tell you that the, the first four drives were not not what we wanted, obviously, with four three and outs. Uh, didn't really didn't really find our rhythm, you know, until um, the second quarter. And the fourth quarter, you know, I, I'd say if you kind of broke this down, second quarter, fourth quarter. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, there were quite a few moments where, um, you know, we just weren't able to get that first first down. Right. And in so many cases, you know, you get that and then you can uh, begin to put a drive together and um, convert some third downs and, um, you know, kind of find some tempo and rhythm. Unfortunately, I'd say wasn't real efficient, you know, obviously in the in the passing game. You know, I think that was a combination of. Um, you know, probably forcing some things down the field um, instead of, you know, just taking a, a completion underneath. There were some miscues. Um, you know, they hit us with some some looks defensively where, hey, you just had to throw the ball away, you know, avoid a negative play or a sack or what have you. Um, so a combination of all those things, you know, they, they but uh, I know we can definitely could have been more efficient, um, could have found more completions today. Next one's from Amy Just. 
yeah, yeah, my follow-up on that uh, was just with that slow start, was it rust? Was it personnel? Because things were a little different today with a couple guys going on IR, defensive looks, a combination of all and more. Yeah, I mean, listen, you gotta, you, you have to find ways, you know. Um, we, we, I feel like we've done a great job of that all season long. Um, next man up mentality. Um, a lot of guys being banged up or unavailable for whatever reason. And other guys have stepped up and done a great job. But, you know, I will say, obviously, we, you know, came in without Mike. And then, you know, we lost Traquan kind of uh, midway through. And, and so that was tough. Um, but, um, you know, I felt like the young guys stepped up and, and did a nice job. Next one's from Jeff Duncan. Hey, Drew, uh, what went into the process of you, just, you know, deciding to play this week? What benchmarks did you have to hit to get back on the field? Well, um, I think just, you know, being able to throw the ball, um, you know, good enough. Um, and, and obviously that was kind of a ramp up, you know, from call it last week, late last week into early this week and, and throughout practice. Um, I still have a little ways to go. I'll be honest, you know, um, I think there's, there's, uh, there's some things that, that, you know, I'm still still kind of working on, but um, but it is what it is. Are you 100 <laughs> percent? No. Next but, one's from Luke Johnson. But I'm on my way. Yeah, Drew, that's kind of what I was going to ask you about. Is uh, was, was there a sense of urgency to get back for this game in particular? Just uh, knowing kind of what's at stake for you guys right now. Yeah, and and here's the thing. Like at this point, I mean, listen, um, every game's so important. Um, you know, down the stretch, you know, everybody's battling something, you know, and everybody's fighting to get out on the field and put together our best effort, you know, in order to help our team win and, you know, advance our playoff status. Um, and, and right now the most important thing is getting our next win so we can officially win the division. And, and then we'll worry about the next one after that. But as far as I'm concerned, we have a one-game season, and that's this coming Friday night. Next one's from Mike Triplett. Sorry. Um, real quick, when you said there was some getting on the same page, was that an incorrect intentional grounding call? Did you did you think Jared was going to run a different route on that play? Um, I, I, I thought he was. I thought he was running by um, the safety. Um, you know, they, they they brought in all out pressure, and so uh, the guy who had blitzed off of covering him the corner was on you know he was we didn't have a guy to block him so he was the free guy so yeah but you know it was one of those things where we had you know we had talked about various things and um during the week and and you know unfortunately just kind of got signals crossed and then I, I, you know obviously a lot of people are going to put a plus b equals c and and say you know the inefficient start to this game i think you started o of six that either you weren't ready or you were rusty i mean what what's What's your response to that narrative, I guess? Well, I mean, listen, my first pass of the game, I, thought I should have thrown a check down. You know, if I throw a check down, we get the first first down, then we get a drive going. Instead, I tried to kind of fit one into Taysom. And then the next play was, you know, another kind of all-out pressure look, and, and I had to get the ball out sooner than, than I wanted to. And so, but that, that was very, that could have been a completion as well. So, I mean, listen, um, just kind of off by a hair, you know, whether it's split second timing or split second, decision or, you know, 
um, just kind of communication with the, the, the guys that we're throwing to, uh, or me just, you know, throwing a check down as opposed to trying to force one down the field. I mean, listen, that's, that's every game, every game, there's stuff like that, you know, and um, we're a very efficient offense. We are a, we are a high efficiency passing game. Um, and so we're going to get back to that. There is Drew Brees for you, ESPN1420.com. <clears throat> Got a lot more happening in the NFL Week 15 yesterday. The Jets lose for winning. <sighs> the Falcons blew a lead. Who would have saw that coming? Uh, Tractor Zito, my God, Derrick Henry. Holy cow. And this day in sports history, 17 years ago, a play that I will never, ever forget would be remembered by many more outside of the fan base, perhaps, had the follow-up to the play been good, but it wasn't. But it also contains play-by-play from a Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer. Yeah. It's all coming your way this day in sports history. Looking at week 15 and more, it's the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere, ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the program, everybody. Christmas. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Hope you all have a great Christmas week, holiday week. A lot of sports happening. And thanks for spending some of your time with us here on ESPN 1420. We'll have plenty of uh, bowl games for you on our airwaves in the next week or so, beginning this Wednesday with uh, the New Orleans Bowl. That'll be uh, coming on our airwaves Wednesday afternoon uh, after Brad uh, hosts for a few hours. Greg Larnard's going to be taking off, heading back home for a little while for the holidays. Uh, but we got... Plenty of bowl games on the schedule for you. Some other things happen in the afternoon. Louisiana playing in the first responder bowl Saturday against UT San Antonio. And uh, looking forward to that as well. So uh, Georgia Southern and Louisiana Tech in the New Orleans Bowl. That's Wednesday. Actually, that game, um, that's right at 2. So uh, it's the uh, the following, I think it's the following week, maybe on Tuesday where Brad hosts for a while and then we've got the Bowl game between Miami and Oklahoma State, Texas and Colorado. A lot of bowl games for you. A lot of bowl games for you. It's bowl season. Even though somehow they can't find a bowl game for 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 Army, who went nine and two because you USC decided, well, we lost the Pac twelve championship. We have no interest in playing that game anymore. And now a nine and two Army team's got nowhere to go. They want a goal, yet you have teams with losing records in bowl games. Everything's weird. Hey, chalk it up to twenty twenty. Speaking of eighteen years ago today. People that weren't Saints fans called it weird and funny. People that were Saints fans, especially at that moment in 2003, said, yeah, this is so Saints. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Well, how does that feel?
Let's go back, back, back. This day in sports history. Indeed, this day in sports history, 17 years ago. The New Orleans Saints somehow still were alive in the playoff hunt. They were coming off of a Sunday night win against the Giants where they destroyed Jesse Palmer and the Giants, and Joe Horn pulled out a cell phone and scored three touchdowns. And, yeah, they're coming off a good win. Then they went to Jacksonville, and, boy, they needed a miracle just to possibly play for overtime, and they actually got one, the great Jim Henderson. And the late great Hokie Gaija on the call. Two wideouts to the left, one to the right. From the shotgun, Brooks pumps, throws down the near sideline to Stallworth. And Stallworth tries to get away from some people and does to the 38-yard line. He needs a block. He needs a couple. There, They're going to lateral the ball to Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis tries to stay alive. He'll lateral it to Deuce. Deuce needing help. He laterals across the field. And the Saints are going to take it in with Payton. If He's this is legal, good. they've no. done it. No. Uh-uh. Jerome Payton <laughs> diving into the end zone. I mean, you can't tell me that I just witnessed what I just saw take place. All sorts of incredible plays along the line for the Saints to stay alive, pending the extra point by John Carney. And he missed No! <laughs> he missed the extra point wide right. Oh, my God. How could he do that? This one is over as John Carney misses his first extra point of the season. Oh, this day in sports history. The day the great Jim Henderson had an amazing call and then had the most raw call ever. And he missed. No! <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'll remember that one. I'll remember that one. This day in sports history. All right, so haven't really got into other NFL stuff. Derrick Henry, he's just stiff-arming guys to kingdom come. My God. Um, Tractor Zito, what, what Derrick Henry is doing in the last four games is sick. And the Tennessee Titans, who I admit I've – I have not bought in to them in terms of being a, a playoff team. Being a look, they're in, they're going to be a playoff team. Being a team that can really compete in the playoffs because I just don't believe in their defense. Their defense is 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 horrendous. But Derrick Henry, let's look at let's look at his last four games: twenty eight carries, hundred thirty three yards score; twenty seven carries, hundred seventy eight yards, three scores; twenty six carries, two hundred fifteen yards, two scores; twenty four carries, hundred forty seven yards, and a score. Now, that's his last four games with 20-plus carries, not his last four games, actually. Point is, just give him the rock. Just give him the rock. And Saints fans, they want to be rooting for Tennessee next week because they play the Pack. And if they beat the Packers and the Saints went out and the Seahawks went out and all three have that same record at the end of the season, based on tiebreakers, there's now a good shot the Saints could actually be a one seed, even with yesterday's loss. Yeah. yeah. Other things that stood out from NFL week 15. I mean, come on. The Atlanta Falcons. We all knew what was going to happen. It's just, it's they're right on brand. 17 nothing at the half up on Tampa Bay. You knew they were going to lose the game. 
Sure. Sure. Brady played the hits, double-digit comeback against the Falcons, and Tampa Bay is right there in the mix for a playoff spot while the Patriots, for the first time since 2008, will not be in the playoffs. And it's worth noting that in 2008, they weren't in the playoffs, but they were actually 11-5 and with Matt as their quarterback. This year, not so much. Not going to be 11-5. and No losing record. And does anyone actually feel bad for the Patriots other than their fan base? No. No. Shout out to the Dolphins for the win. Tua's touchdown run was really impressive. And Miami's got to keep winning. Because if they keep winning and Baltimore keeps winning, they'll get in. But if they lose one and Baltimore wins out and the rest of the AFC stays there... Just talked about the year that the Pats were 11-5 and five and missed out. Dolphins could go 10-6 and six in a year where you got seven teams in the playoffs and not get in. And while their future's really bright, and I said, you know, the playoffs are kind of lining up for that team, everyone wants to go to the playoffs. Well, I say everyone. Maybe not every team in the NFC East. Good Lord. They are all still mathematically alive for the playoffs. They're all still mathematically, quote, in the hunt. Only Dallas won yesterday of the teams in the NFC least. But even Philly at 4-9-1 are still in the mix. And shout out to Michael Jacquet, UDFA from Louisiana, forcing fumbles, making plays. Philly got down early, came back, had a chance at the end with a Hail Mary in the end zone. Jalen Hurts didn't get him across the Philly line, uh, the finish line, but came down to the final play. Looks like he could be the future of quarterback. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz is whining that he's not happy about it. Well, grow up, Carson. Grow up. 269-1077-269-1077. The New York Jets. How how that that's why you keep Greg Williams. That's why you keep Dr. Heat. He'll make sure that you finish 0-16. But the Jets somehow win a game. And every player on that team wanted to win. Every player on that team wanted to win. Their competitors, their pros, they want to win. They're not, they're not worried about the next quarterback in New York. But the fans, yeah, the Jets are like, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Now you're going to win a game when we're this close to 0-16 and getting the number one pick? And for anyone out there, you know, grilling the players or coaches for celebrating a victory, no. Shame on you. They're, they're players and coaches. They're not you. They're not a fan. They're not a viewer. No one wants the ignobility of going to 0-16. Only the 8 Lions and the 2017 Browns did that. Yeah. Jim Schwartz and Hugh Jackson, take a bow. Nobody wants that. Not even Adam Gase, who has somehow finessed his way to way... Too much money and way too many opportunities. I'm sorry. I said Jim Schwartz. He's who took over. It was good old Rod Marinelli. Oh, boy. So, I'm not I'm not faulting them for celebrating, but I'm also sure as hell not going to fault the fans. They're long-suffering fans for cursing at the thought of winning. It must be weird to just watch a game and root so hard for your team to lose. That's a weird feel. I don't. I don't know what that 
I, I don't think I've ever done that. But let me tell you something. The Jets just sent a really nice Christmas present down to Jacksonville. They really did. The Jags currently own the tiebreaker based on weakness of schedule. And with two weeks to go, uh, I don't think Jacksonville is going to win a game here. And for that matter, I don't think the Jets will win another one. And when you've gone 52 years without a Super Bowl, talking about the New York Jets, you got to go back to old Joe Namath. And when you haven't been in the playoffs in over 10 years, and your most famous player in franchise history is still the guy that won the Super Bowl 52 years ago. And meantime, in the last 40 years, the Giants have won, what, four? Well, yeah. The Jets, eesh. Trevor Lawrence, surefire number one pick this spring, best pro, spec, best pro prospect in years. 21 years old, six foot six, 220 pounds. Instant star at Clemson. Can run a pro style. Can run. Tough. Durable. And now, yep, probably going to go down to Jacksonville. We might as well just start looking for real estate down there. Because unless they do something stunning, the J-E-T-S Jets, 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 with the number two pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Unbelievable. For what it's worth, Jacksonville's remaining games, who are right there in the thick of the playoff hunt and need the win, and the Colts, who are right there in the thick of the AFC South crown and need the win, and somehow would have a stronghold on it had they not lost to Jacksonville back in week one and the Jaguars' only win of the season. Sheesh. There were some shockers in the NFL yesterday, but none greater than what the Jets did to the Rams. Sean McVay, this game is only going to demoralize us as much as we let it. Got to bounce back, and I have a really annoying voice. Yeah, you do, Sean. Thank you very much. Other things standing out from it. First of all, Go if if you have any Christmas shopping left, if you have, you know, time you can spend with your family, if you can do something productive, if you can go volunteer somewhere, if you can go get blood, do it, as opposed to watching the Monday night game tonight. Somehow the Cincinnati Bengals are on a Monday night football game in late December. Hosting the Steelers. So no need to watch that one. As week 15 wraps up tonight, week 16 kicks off Friday, Christmas Day. And it's the Saints against the Vikings, who are not mathematically eliminated, but with their loss yesterday where Justin Jefferson is caught on a microphone screaming at Kirk Cousins, throw the bleeping ball. It's the rookie there. When he was open in the end zone, the uh, the Vikings, who have been a thorn in the Saints' side, would probably love nothing more at this point than to put coal in the Saints' stockings and ruin their Christmas. They lost yesterday, 57 to Chicago, who right now somehow has a stronghold on the seven seed in the NFC 
even though no one thinks that, you know, their head coach should even keep his job. I say they have a stronghold. They don't. Arizona's got the stronghold on it, but Chicago's only one game back, I believe, would have the tiebreaker, and Arizona's still got to face the Rams the last week of the season, and the Rams kind of need the win. Could have been right up there in the mix for the divisional crown. Instead, they lost to the Jets. The Jets. Keep an eye on that. Arizona with two games left. Mentioned they have uh, San Francisco and L.A. Meanwhile, Chicago with two games left. Have um, the Jaguars, and then they have the Packers. So one's a win. The other, Green Bay may have the one seed locked up if Seattle loses. They might not have to play for anything in Week 17. None of that would even matter if the NFL still only had six teams in the playoffs in each conference, which I'd be okay with. Drew Brees, we heard what he had to say uh, yesterday after the game. What about this morning? He spoke this morning because Monday morning media session. Oh, with some Christmas music playing in the background. I love when the board just starts playing random stuff. Uh, here's Drew Brees this morning, opening statement with the media. How are you feeling the day after? Uh, I'm feeling still pretty good. Uh, all things considered, you know, obviously day after a game, soreness, kind of the normal stuff. Um, as far as our performance yesterday, obviously a, a lot more to be desired. You know, felt like uh, there was things that we left out there, you know, opportunities to keep drives going and, um, and possess the ball and, uh, and, and try to get points. Um, you know, as I look at, you know, some of the key statistics from that game, obviously we, um, the time of possession was pretty lopsided, uh, you know, so opportunities for us to possess the ball, um, you know, wear their defense down a little bit, go down and get points and obviously keep, um, their offense off the field, I think would have been helpful. Um, and, and, and then just, you know, some of the, uh, uh I think just the timing and the rhythm of the passing game, you know, um, uh, a lot of yesterday was just kind of getting a feel back, you know, for me, honestly, um, especially to start that game. Um, so, you know, there were times where we got rolling. There were times where we made some big plays and did some good things, but uh, just not quite enough. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Working on some interviews. Do plan on uh, visiting with Rage Occasion Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Magri, tomorrow at 8. Working on a couple of other as well. Give me a follow on Twitter if you're not already at Scott underscore 1420. You missed any of this morning's show, including my one-on-one with Billy Napier. It'll all be up on the Great Scott Show podcast page in the next few hours via Spotify, Anchor, and other podcast platforms. Steve Peliquin is next with Beyond the Game. I will talk to you guys tomorrow morning right here. On ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Once again, as in olden days.